Hi, everybody. Welcome back to my podcast, which is at the corner of peace in mind with your host, Trinity Gwen. I am very excited to talk about this episode, but before I even get into it, I do need to make some disclaimers. So this is a two-parter. I noticed that you guys really enjoyed the last two-parter episode that I made. It was about Over the Garden Wall and music. I think actually music was first and then Over the Garden Wall because I talk about (laughs) Over the Garden Wall a lot. So I give people a chance to listen to something new. And if they've listened to me talk about Over the Garden Wall consistently, they can leave. And that's why I sometimes talk about, you know, continuous things with. Anyway, that's not the point. So today we'll be talking about Nope, the, the movie. Um, the film and the show BoJack Horseman. Now, I talked about BoJack Horseman in an episode um, on my YouTube with a series called Knit and Chat, and it's very, it's glossed over a little bit. I think I talked about it for about at least 10 minutes, and I wanted to dive more into that via YouTube video or podcast episode, so I chose podcast episode, and Nope is just very good, and I wanted to talk about that, and I talked about Nope a little bit as well but it was around the time that nope had just gotten out and I'm pretty sure nobody really wanted to watch what I had to say because they were going to go see it themselves and it would have gotten them it would have gotten spoiled so that is a disclaimer if you've never seen nope or have never watched Bojack Horseman do not listen to these because they are very this episode is filled with spoilers and if you, you know, if you don't care about spoilers, if you really don't care, you can listen. But if you also really love Nope and BoJack Horseman, you've watched both in their entirety, and you just want to know more of the lore, things you've never, you know, really considered, this is the episode for you. Um, <laughs> I definitely am very, very excited about this because these are things that I circulate around a lot, which are why I don't really have as many analytical episodes as analytical as I am. There are just a lot of things that I like to hone in on because Over the Garden Wall being one of them because I have a podcast episode about it. I have a presentation about it. I have a paper about it um, and all that jazz. Steven Universe, I talk about that a lot because I think that one of the first three episodes was about Steven Universe and I could talk about that more, <laughs> maybe at a later date, maybe at like the, the two-year mark of that episode, who knows. Um, I do watch a lot of New Girl, but it's not as complex as BoJack Horseman is, and New Girl really just is my comfort, and there's no special themes or meanings behind it. It's just guilty pleasure. <laughs> so that's that movies are very analytical to me next time I will probably talk about 3,000 years of longing I made actually I made um Santi and Keegan because they came home with me for Thanksgiving and I made them watch nope and 3,000 years of longing that's like that was a good like uh, five hours of movie watching and they both enjoyed it a lot because, you know, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good when it comes to movies. Like, if somebody, I'm like, man, I really like this. You know, it's very different. And I knew both Keegan and Santi's vibes. And sometimes we kind of collectively agree with things and collectively vibe with the same thing. So I'm like, if I like this, they're definitely going to watch it. But if they don't like it, that's fine. Because they like they know my judgment and they'll watch it anyway. Um, <laughs> it's not conceited. It's just, that's just, it's just true. And... Um, what else was I going to disclaim? Right. Um, Bojack Horseman does talk about uh, substance abuse, suicide, 
um, other forms of abuse and everything under the sun. So if that makes you a little bit, like gives you discomfort, then that is in the second half, which you don't have to listen to. I was just giving you this disclaimer right now. If you've never watched it before, don't watch it because there's spoilers. But if you don't care, that is a lot of what the themes are in this show. And if you didn't expect that, now you know. So if you don't want to listen to it, that's fine. Um, Nope is different, though. It doesn't talk about that at all. So I'm going to start with my week first because I do like to update you guys of what what I'm what I do and all that jazz. So last week I told you about, you know, routine. That was a really great episode, honestly. Got a lot of stuff on my chest. And this is the first week that I don't have as much to do. And I feel really light. There was nothing I needed to do, nor I know where I needed to be. It was just I had so much time and I everything slowed down and I could sleep. Or I could edit a video and that Oh, you guys, I was so, so upset yesterday. Um, I was editing the YouTube video, like I mentioned last week, and it was a get ready with me. And it was, you know, it was getting, it was getting done. Everything had, at the rate I was going, I would have gotten it done by like Saturday afternoon. I'm probably still going to try and get it done by Saturday afternoon because, um, surprise it's Thursday (laughs) uh I don't have as much as like I said in my in my schedule anymore so I don't work anymore on campus so Fridays are free now and I'll have time to either record a Thursday to upload on Friday or record Friday for Friday or even Saturday so Thursday Friday Saturday that is like the days where I'm like oh does Trinity upload it's Thursday, okay, no. If it's Friday, no. Then Saturday is like the last resort. So, and if not at all, then I didn't upload at all. <laughs> Sorry. But uh, what I was saying was, uh, what was I getting at? Oh, I was editing the video, and I had wanted to graduate from iMovie to Premiere Pro, um, which is part of, it's, it's like a subcategory of Creative Cloud. Just the overall software is called Creative Cloud. And I started using that like two years ago. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm with the big dogs now. I'm in college. And there is a moral to the story of this, and I will tell you. Um, <laughs> I started paying for it out of my own pocket. And it was $30 a month. But look at it this way. No, it wasn't $30 a month. I think at first it was 20 And then it was like, okay, we'll start bill- billing you after a year. So it's going to be $30 a month. So... Um, I had paid $20 a month for all of these channels on Creative Cloud because I thought it was a steal because I would be paying for Premiere Pro, which is for videos and film. I would be paying for Illustrator, which is also like a photo op, like Photoshop thing because there is a thing called Photoshop on Creative Cloud. Those are the things that help you with, with pictures and stuff. Audit, like, what's it called? Audition. Those are for podcasts and anything you know audio with people who are in the studio things like that there are so many channels on this thing and I was just paying $20 a month but this was for personal use now my sophomore year of my the first semester of my sophomore year I had a class and it was required to have Premiere Pro guess how much it was for students $75 a year and I did the math I was so upset because I was paying 300, no, wait, 
20 times 12, that is like, um, <laughs> that is $240 out of my pocket. And $75 a year, that's six twenty-five a month. Moral of the story is, if sometimes you don't even have to be a college student, some things you just have to be 18 to like 23 and you'll get a discount. Look into the things, because I'm pretty sure my brother definitely told me about this, but I had already paid for it and I was like, uh, I don't think they have it, but this is a college, right? There are people who are learning to get a degree in filmmaking, in journalism, and all these technological things. And a lot of these things, especially because you're paying money to go here, a lot of stuff that you want to use that people actually use in the outside world are for you at a discounted price because you go to this institution. So don't be like me. <laughs> um, so I was using Premiere Pro to edit the video because I am working on a project in the next couple months to year. Um, you guys will hear about it really soon. But... Um, I started using it so I can use it as practice. So when I start editing the project, I'll, you know, I won't be a stranger to it. So I had been using YouTube videos to practice on. And sometimes I don't physically export my work from my laptop onto, you know, like from the from the SD card. So I eject my 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 footage a lot cuz it's still on the SD card. And sometimes when it comes to Premiere Pro, you can relocate the footage as long as you have it, but it wasn't there. Uh, not it wasn't there. It's just like I relocated it and I think I renamed it. And when it comes to renaming different files, software gets really finicky about it. And if I name like MVI 867.mp4 or something like that, and I name it like get ready with me number one because it's like segments and my camera only records at 30 minute intervals. So it's like in three parts. <sighs> when I rename it, it's just like, what is this? I don't know what this is. This is not what I asked for. Like, okay, it's, it's the same video. I just want it to make sense of what I'm not, what I'm doing. Um, I renamed it and it worked fine. But the last time I did it yesterday, it just got really finicky and I, it, the little segments I couldn't watch. It was pitch black. Um, and the lines were blue and diagonal where the little footage is where I edited it all <sighs> I went to the YouTube tutorial because a lot of things you know a lot of people have these problems and a lot of people already solve them and they put it on YouTube so you're not in this predicament again and I followed every step and it didn't work <laughs> it worked but it was just like it replaced my footage with another piece of footage that was not the same thing that I had just edited and I was so upset and I was like you know what I'm just gonna deal with iMovie from now on We'll get to Premiere Pro when I get to Premiere Pro because I was so upset. I was so mad. I was livid. But that was that. Um, <laughs> I was so upset. But you will probably more than likely get um, that episode later this weekend. Um, I got breakfast before I recorded. Starbucks, of course, because there's a Starbucks in the library. And it's great. Um, <laughs> I get my usual strawberry acai refresher with lemonade but I keep forgetting no strawberries because they add like strawberry inclusions which are like freeze-dried strawberries I'm kind of getting back into strawberries I don't know I never really liked them when I was younger but if they're sweet that's one thing but 
I don't really like tart fruit. So that's that. But let's get into the actual <laughs> episode because we're about 12 minutes in. So like I mentioned before, we're talking about Nope and BoJack Horseman because you guys really like how I analyze stuff. So let's just get started with Nope. Um, nope came out in July of last year, last last summer, and it is it was directed and created by the famous Jordan Peele, who also created Get Out and Us, and he's also worked on other films, but his like major feature films are this these this the holy trinity of this, um, and we'll get into that as well. We'll talk about the plot twist, of course, um, the characters. Um, the themes, the reoccurring themes, I have a lot of notes. (laughs) So if this goes over an hour, this is why, because I wanted to make sure that I got everything that I wanted. Because I could talk about this, but, um, Nope is a very long movie, so not very long. I don't think it's long as Way of the Water. Speaking of Way of the Water, um, that movie was, it was good. Like, that's, that's as best as I can give it. Like, it was good. (laughs) Because you're thinking about, like, what you watched it for, like, three hours, and it's a sequel to the original, which was very great, right? Way ahead of its time. But now you're looking at this new one, and it's like, uh, this is kind of like a cut copy of the first one, but with family. Please don't make this go into a whole Fast and Furious thing, because (laughs) I'm going to stop after the second one, because there's supposed to be six films in total. So I don't know how this is going to go. And if it's going to be a clear-cut copy of the same thing, but just a different element, because this is water, then no. I'm going to stop right there. So, <laughs> but back to Nope. Nope um, focuses on the family of O.J., Otis Sr., and Emerald Haywood. And they own a business called Holly Haywood Hollywood Horses. And what they do is, um, when people are making films... Um, or even, you know, when it comes to TV, just show business in general, and they want to include animals, they have to call specific people because you can't just bring a wild lion in for an episode. You have to have people that know these animals' behavior and psychology so that they can understand that, you know, sometimes you can't look this animal in the eye right now. You can't be loud. You can't, you have to be silent when things are like this. So you have to call specific people in who have these businesses because there's a business for everything. So you call these people in that can specialize with these specific animals and they're usually on set if something goes wrong because if something goes wrong, those are lawsuits and all that stuff and all that jazz. So that is their business. And when people call for horses, they call them for Hollywood. So that's just little snippet if you didn't know um Otis was you know the main you know the main the big head honcho because he was the dad and he unfortunately passed from a very you know um it was a very weird death because when they gave him the autopsy or the biopsy I don't know what's like the difference um I'll figure that out later one of the C's (laughs) One of the opsies, I don't know. <laughs> um, they noticed that there was a nickel or like a quarter lodged in his skull. And um, in the first part, well, not, I think the first frame was the shoe. 
like I said, if you've never seen Nope and you don't want to watch it, this is the last warning because we're going to get into a lot of stuff. Everything's going to be revealed. So, um, Otis was on the horse and he got it lodged from the UFO called Jean Jacket because that's its name. It got its name from Otis because, um, he, uh, there was a there was a horse called Jean Jacket that just couldn't be contained and couldn't be tamed, and the UFO did just that, so they called it and named it Jean Jacket. So we get to the death, and they're just really confused about it, and they're just like, it couldn't have fallen from a plane. So when they notice all these weird things happening at night, the electricity slowing down and all the, the circuits and it's just kind of going off and then coming back on, they're just like, okay, and OJ was out at night getting ghost I think that was the horse's name and they noticed this huge saucer and I was and he was like okay it was so cool watching in the theater because it's such a different experience watching things in the theater for the first time than opposed to like at home but um he came back to Emerald and he was like what if I told you like stuff like that like um I've never, like, they were explaining that they had never seen this before. It was a UFO and Emerald. She's, like, not a one-trick pony, pun intended, because she does a lot. And she kind of associates Hollywood, Haywood Hollywood horses. I keep getting the words mis- mixed up as her side hustle. Like, she, <laughs> she explains that she can sing, she can dance, she can model, she can do all that stuff. Um, but um, when they notice the, the UFO, they try to get footage of it because people pay money all the time and um OJ had been working to try to get his horses back and I think he had sold 10 of them and those those horses were their fathers and he was trying to get them back but he just needed the money and revenue wasn't coming in because a lot of times um Otis was kind of the people person and OJ there are a lot of speculations that OJ was on the spectrum which I kind of understand because Sometimes he just doesn't, he, he can go for a while at looking people in the eye. He doesn't, like, talk to people face-to-face. He can be a little reserved. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. But I don't know if it's completely canon, so I'd, like, kind of hold off on that. But um, when Otis would do it, he, you know, Otis just, you know, he just had this kind of flair. And Emerald did, but she was more, you know, like I said, it was her side hustle. So some of the stuff she wouldn't really show up to on time that's how the first that's how the first instance went and they didn't get money from this this work because (laughs) um they were informed like incorrectly like oj didn't really like speak up for what he like he was like please don't look the horse in the eye flashes somebody got kicked in the face and no they didn't want to work with them anymore so uh, i think they went with camels I think I don't know but that's besides the point um OJ's reservedness or reserved stature kind of like got in the way of him getting the money so when he would sell his um horses to Jupe who is yeah I'd say he he is the villain he is the antagonist um Jupe is the child actor who uses his fame and he's the owner of Jupiter's Claim. Uh, to set the scene, again, if you hadn't watched it in a while, 
the area is very rural. Like this is way, way away from LA. Like we're in Los Angeles, but it's just not in the area and, and it's just great plains all over the place. Um, so Jupiter's Claim is kind of like a big like Western movie, Hollywood theme park, like Western saloon theme park. And he uses these horses as bait for Jean Jacket because that is the reason why Jean Jacket is there in the first place. He uses the horses as bait, feeds them, and that's why um, Otis got killed by circumstance because he was, you know, Jean Jacket was kind of disposing of all the stuff that he didn't want, which is another thing that I kind of go into when I go outside of researching for the movie because it's very interesting. So what's important to know is um, Nope's alien has no motivation of being in Haywood. He's just there because, like I said, Jupe uses them for bait. He's been feeding the aliens for months in order to tame it for the Star Lasso experience. And he's like, he explains to his wife, and I think it starts with like, what if I told you that today you'll leave here different? And Jupe <laughs> is very delusional. Um, just not only by circumstance, he's just very delusional. He's been delusional for like a very long time since that incident with Gordy's World. He worked on, it's like one of those shows like Full House and Family Matters, those like shows that came out in the 80s that are like family and give morals at the end of every episode, stuff like that, but with a twist with a chimp, a chimpanzee as one of the family members. And they use, like I said, they use different people in Hollywood. So there were three quote unquote Gordys to use um, because just like, just like kids, you can't have kids in um, showbiz. You can't have them screening time for too long. So I think that kind of applies with animals as well. So that's why they switched out. Just like with um, the twins in Full House, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen, they were switched out. And because they were twins, you can't really tell um, them from apart. So that's that, just for child labor laws and stuff. Um, Jupe feels that he was spared by Gordy because there was an incident where um, Gordy just went rampant. One of the Gordys, because <laughs> um, there were three. And his, um, his cast members suffered fatally, like from, from very, being very damaged from their face, because the, I think one of the cast members were there. And some of them unfortunately died, but... Um, Jupe walked out free because he thought that he was just this person that could tame the bad miracle. He could he can live to tell the tale. And this theme going on in Nope, it's turning tragic events into a spectacle because he did that with the shoe. Um, the shoe that you notice that could just stay upright from the quote unquote impossible shot, which is what Antler's host was trying to get, like that famous filmmaker that Emerald wanted to get. Um, to work on it, and eventually he did. And he sacrificed himself, we'll get into that, because I was kind of confused on why he did that, because there are different reasons, because me and my friend Kira, and um, me, Keegan and Santi were trying to like get into like why he did that, but I don't know what the canon answer was, but we could just kind of go off of what we really think. Um, so, whoops, <laughs> the little cord that connects the, headphones can kind of bump against the mic and if that's what you're hearing that's what it is so the shoe the shoe explained by Jordan Peele acts as a way of checking out of ourselves and checking out of our trauma 
um, Jute believed in the bad miracle, and with that, he disassociated himself on the shoe, deterring him from looking at Gordy, which is why he feel like in the end that saved him. Like he could, he could survive everything and walk out safe, and like I said, live to tell the tale. But when he looked Gordy in the eye, he wasn't necessarily, with all the technicalities, he wasn't really looking at Gordy in the eye because if you notice, there was a film between the two from the tablecloth, I think. I don't know if that was a tablecloth, but there was a yellowish film from them looking at each other. And when it comes to Gordy and Jean Jacket, they're very similar and they're very closely related. And I think they, I think Jordan's idea was trying to have the audience understand that these two are very similar because they're very territorial. If you look them in the eye, they can act, they can kill you, they can attack you, and they're just impossible. I don't know how to explain it. It's like the impossible shot was the shoe because he used used that as profit, like I said, turning tragic events into a spectacle because he gets, he charges people to look at this, at this shoe because so many people have seen this live going on and they like, I don't know, they fixate on this whole thing, this whole tragic event. And if somebody, I don't know, it's kind of sick if I, if you really think about it. So when another tragic event happened, he tried to tame Jean Jacket, and that led him to his own demise, his own death, along with his family and tons of innocent people that were just trying to have a good time. Um, that just, I was just, when I saw that for the first time, I was like, wow, these people really just came in and paid for money because they wanted to see something cool, and they died. They don't even know what they died from. Um, <laughs> I was just like, wow, I will never go to something like that again. I will never go to a, a magic show outside. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, <laughs> let me stop. But... Um, that is the deeper meaning to the shoe. It's more of the impossible shot. And when we talk about how Antler's host, he's a filmmaker um, that, like I said, Emerald wanted. She, um, when they were trying to get the, the footage, they get Angel, who works at, I forgot what it was called. It's a real store, but I, I almost said Firehouse Subs. What? <laughs> That's not it at all. Um, electronic Fries. That's what it is. That's what it is. I think. I think it is. Um, like I said, it's a real store, and I'm pretty sure when that movie came out, a lot of people started shopping there just because, you know, the experience. Like, oh, my gosh, I used to go to that store. I should go there. Um, marketing at its finest. But Angel was, um, I think, to call it like a, hmm, what's the word? He was very into the extraterrestrial. Like, he um, wanted to help them because he knew something was up. And illegally, he looked into the footage that he helped OJ and Emerald install. Because that's very illegal. You cannot do that. But, I mean, luckily he did. Um, because when the first sighting of the UFO, they noticed, um, Angel noticed that one of the um, cameras were still on but a praying mantis for some reason had just like stepped in front of it the entire time. And coincidentally, it left as soon as the, um, the UFO left its, left the camera's view. And I was like, wow, 
that's something. I don't think that needs a really big explanation. I don't know. It was just a coincidence that that happened. <laughs> um, but with all of that, there are other themes going on when as far as like Jordan Peele's movies. I want to make sure I got everything. Yes, yeah, so in, in its entirety, OJ, Angel, and Emerald have been trying to like capture this film, like capture this thing the entire time. And when they get it, it's such a great shot when um, OJ kind of like weaves the jean, like weaves jean jacket a little bit, and it's so good. It's such a great, it's it's a good shot because it's like it's like an old cowboy movie, but like futuristic at the same time. Um, but when Antlers Holst, he showed up with a um, <laughs> a non-electrical camera in the where it's an emerald. He came with like a like the old timey film, not old timey because we still use like film cameras. But like I said, like how people capture old films, they have like the literal film that has to get switched out if you use the frames, all the frames at once. Um, and he noticed. Um, when he wanted to get onto that that um, that job, that one, the cloud that the UFO was hiding behind hadn't moved at all, and the blood the blood decorated house with like a, a wheelchair on the top because that was Jean Jacket's way of being territorial and marking its like I said marking its territory, and that would have been that would have been a scary sight to see. Um, there are a lot of scenes that we talk about, but this episode would just get way too long. And I want to get into the main themes of it. Um, when Antler's host um, sacrificed himself, I was one confused from the first time because he was saying, you guys, when he left, he said, you guys don't deserve the impossible shot. And he went and looked the UFO in the eye directly and started recording and when he was getting taken up he was still recording still recording and he died and it was just like I was confused because I was like okay maybe he didn't want people to see the impossible shot because the impossible shot is impossible no one should just know what the impossible shot is that just kind of defeats the purpose like you know when people don't want to spoil a surprise because it defeats the purpose of the element of surprise. So maybe that's it. Or he just was greedy and wanted it for himself, right? But it was just like, why would he do that if he agreed to do it in the first place? Maybe it was just like an epiphany thing that he was just like, man, this is going to go out to everybody. But, I mean, in the end, Emerald got it. So maybe it was for himself. I think that was that too because – when he finally got the impossible shot, I think he just had no meaning left because he's this famous filmmaker and he finally got the impossible shot and it's just like, okay, I'm here. I can't, there's no sky's the limit. This is the impossible shot. I can't go above this. This is a UFO. Um, what else? I, I can't get anything else than that. This is Planet 51 in my grasp. I just hit my... um. <laughs> <laughs> my thermos water bottle, sorry. So I think he was just kinda like, All right, this is it. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna head out. And I <laughs> I can't go above this. I was just editing 
tigers in the wild eating a snake or something like that. Because I don't know what he was working on while he was on the phone with Emerald, but it was just like, this is this is nowhere near this. So I think it was just like a, I can't move on from this. I can't make anything better. So I am going to just check out. That's That's another theory. I think that's my main theory. But he said you don't deserve the impossible shot so it's like maybe he, like i said he was just saving the world from the impossible shot i don't know i couldn't tell you but those are my theories um i think personally jordan peele's movies reflect the black experience in general because the three movies the holy trinity like i said the first one get out highlights the envy of our own black people's own natural abilities um Black history was just a couple of days ago. But we, me and my roommate, well, me and Santi, we talk about a lot how black people, doesn't even have to be African-American, dominate a lot of what we put ourselves and put our work into. And when it comes to, like, sports, photography, specifically sports, I don't even have to tell you Serena Williams. Like, I could just say Serena Williams, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Usain Bolt, Jesse Owens, like all of those people um, dominated it. And this movie is just like literally how black people are abducted because of their craft. Um, Daniel Kaluuya, Kaluuya? I think that's his name. Um, He actually played in Get Out 2 because he actually plays, he plays OJ in Nope 2. He um, was abducted because um, somebody wanted his eyes because he was a photographer and he the, the white guy was blind and he was like, I wish I could have your eyes for photography and all that stuff. And I was like, okay, there's a theme here and somebody was abducted for their, their speed and track and all that stuff. And I was like, oh man, there's some themes going on in here because the first time it went over my head because I was younger and I think Get Out came out in like 2017 and I was like, uh 14 at the time i don't know that's the math (laughs) that's the math um yeah get out was great santi loves get out us um this is from jordan peele quoted himself we are afraid of invaders the fact that we are our own worst enemy it's like a us is a parable of inequality and seeing each other in a different lens right and nope um although the main theme is a spectacle it highlights black contribution to hollywood like i mentioned in the beginning um the haywood family are basically descendants of the first motion picture in this movie like i said in the outside world in reality i don't think that was the first motion picture but in this in this movie it makes sense all the contributions that black people make go unnoticed they go unseen and they're never given their flowers. That's what I think. We've read that. I read that somewhere too, but I was like, it makes so much sense. Um, I also read when it comes to UFO sightings, a lot of people um, find UFO sightings in rural areas, like non-urban because, you know, it can obviously be seen, I guess. But um, when people who own acres of land with livestock they notice that their livestock go missing and when they find them some of their body parts are missing like and what I noticed it was kind of just like how jean jacket 
um, disposes of everyone's keys and pocket change and everything just metal. That's not, you know, it's not even bones either. It's just plain metal. Keys, coins, pocket knives, all that stuff. And I noticed in the article um, when animals would get found, sometimes their, their ears were missing or their limbs, one limb was taken, but the other one wasn't. And it's just like, this is kind of weird. Like if, you want, if you're gonna eat something, you're not. You're just gonna eat the whole thing. When when animals hunt, they eat the whole thing. They don't leave anything behind unless I don't know if it's infected. I don't know. It just it's just very strange to me. It's very scary too. Okay, is that all that I wanted to say about Nope? I mean, there are so many things to talk about Nope in, but whew, it's just a lot. Okay, I think I talked I talked about the meaning of the shoe and how it was the impossible shot. I talked about how they're relevant to Alistair E. Haywood. Talked about that. Why the, why the alien is there and has really no motivation. It's just there. Hmm. My theories. Yeah, I think I talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to, you know, cross my T's and dot my I's. All right. So right now, I'm going to transition into BoJack Horseman, like I said in the beginning, but I'm going to restate again that this show talks about substance abuse, suicide, other forms of abuse, um, and just mental health in general. So if this makes you uncomfortable, you don't have to stay. But if you also um, have other things that you like want to hear about, I do have a YouTube video to talk about there, and that doesn't really necessarily, that doesn't harp on the really big themes in BoJack Horseman. I talk about distractions in BoJack Horseman, so if you wanted something lighter, you can go to my YouTube channel. It's Tren, T-R-E-N, period, and that's a lighter version of my analysis analysis <laughs> of BoJack Horseman, and if you didn't want anything too deep, you can go there, but the deep, the nitty-gritty is what I'm about to get into, so... Bojack Horseman uh, focuses on a has-been star who tries to work further into stardom. Um, he is a has-been because at the end of every episode, the end credits, the song is like, back in the 90s, I was in a very famous TV show. It goes like that. Um, and I think that alone is just kind of like Bojack trying to keep his try to stay relevant, try to keep himself up, up afloat, because that's what he's mainly known for. He hasn't been doing anything else, and we'll get into that. But how I wanted to structure this episode is I was going to quote one thing from Bojack Horseman. I want to have a lot of quotes from there, but this is what we're going to focus on, because I think this just kind of captures the show. So um, this quote, though, was like further into the show, maybe like the third season, the fourth season. It was like near the second half of the show, so... He goes, now sometimes I feel like I was born with a leak and any goodness I started with just slowly spilled out of me and now it's all gone and I'll never get it back in me. It's too late. Life is a series of closing doors, isn't it? And um, funny enough in this episode, because I remember this episode, he is saying this to like Princess Carolyn's quote unquote boyfriend, but it's like, it's like a Little Rascals thing. When the Little Rascals movie, you remember when all the boys kind of like 
um, towered above each other so that they can like be the same height as, a, as an adult man and have on a hat and a mustache. And Princess Carolyn was dating him, but she just didn't notice it. She didn't realize that. I don't know why it went over her head, but it was really funny. And Bojack said this to him, and he, <laughs> the kid was like, it's okay, horsey. <laughs> it was so stupid. But um, I feel like that was a good quote to kind of just like center the show around because we're going to talk about Bojack's childhood and Princess Carolyn, Todd, Mr. Peanut Butter, Diane, um, the codependencies, everyone else's childhood, and why it's so important and why this show is so complex because a lot of animated shows animation and complexity kind of don't go hand in hand with a lot of shows, but this one very much does um, because it's either one or the other. Um, that's why we have SpongeBob. <laughs> um, and then we have Steven Universe that are kind of like both, but a lot of animated shows. I don't know. Don't quote me. Um, <laughs> Bojack's childhood uh, started drinking very early, and that was more so his comfort. He finds comfort in alcoholism because in his darkest moments when he was a child, he turned to alcohol, or even worse, um, his father gave him alcohol because he saw something that he wasn't supposed to see, and he was distracted with alcohol, and that was that. Um, he has very neglectful parents. He turned to secretariat, like a literal TV figure as his father figure because they were, he was so neglected in his life. And he even finds out that his daughter is not his daughter, but his sister, his dad, Bojack's father, um, Cracker Jack, right? I think Cracker Jack is Bojack's uncle. <laughs> Wait, I'm getting, I'm getting family names mixed up. Let me make sure I get this right. Um, you know who the real, the real villain in this show is Beatrice Horseman. That's that's who the real the real villain is, and I will stand by that because <laughs> Beatrice had no reason to be all like, well, I okay. Look, I understand. I understand Beatrice's um, past because there are a lot of videos that talk videos episodes that highlight her past. How she was a debutante. Her mom literally got a what is it called? It's very illegal now. Was it lobotomy? It's like when people go into your brain and and try to fix it because her brother died in the war and her mom just could not recover from that. And her dad was just like, we need to fix you. So she underwent a lobotomy and she lost a bit of herself. And I was just like, ooh, this is a lot of baggage. But, like, you shouldn't be projecting this onto your kid. But well, and a lot of people are like, Parents do the best that they can with what they have. But Beatrice, she was really just so, she was so cruel to Bojack. She's cruel to everybody. And I, I didn't like it. Butterscotch. Butterscotch is um, Bojack's father's name. Cracker Jack is definitely Bojack's um, uncle. I hope that's right. <laughs> but um, what I was saying is, um, Bojack's dad, Butterscotch, had an affair with another person. And when Hollyhock, she had like eight names, and I'm not going off the <laughs> eight names because she got adopted by like eight dads. And Hollyhock, she thought that Bojack was 
her father because she didn't know who her mom was and she was like okay you got to be my dad but further it just you know because it didn't make sense and Bojack was like well I had a lot of partners in this time so it could be anybody um but later to find out that that's just not true you're my sister (laughs) they're siblings it's a very big gap but well not very big I mean it's it's big um so that was definitely something um that Bojack definitely cherished and Bojack had a lighter side to Hollyhock but when things kind of went under the the radar about how who Bojack really was and what he did um to um a friend a friend of a friend that Hollyhock met in college because um it's so it's like a lot it's like I'm really glad if you're watching this you know who I'm talking about because um Bojack had a friend I forgot her name I think her name was May and she was a deer so if I don't know her name she was the deer (laughs) and she had a daughter and Bojack took her to prom but one of her friends and he he was a really bad influence so alcohol was involved and one of the friends got alcohol poisoning and he didn't he did not take matters into you know as an adult he did not take that lightly he just dropped her off at the hospital didn't check in on her she could have died but he just dropped her off in the hospital and never talked about it again and it was a very scary traumatic thing for one of the friends involved and just so happened to go to the same school as Hollyhock does and she started to get her distance from Bojack because he was like oh my god this is my this is my brother um I can't be around this and then he realized all the other stuff that goes in with Sarah Lynn and where he was and what truly happened when she died and when she overdosed and he just it was just it was a lot it was a lot um but we'll get more into the to the characters as well so princess carolyn she's codependent she's a workaholic basically like the mom friend of the group i definitely see myself a lot in princess carolyn because she does distract herself from a lot from what she does to help people out and she's never there from her for herself but when she is by herself when she has nothing else to do she tries to work for other people she tries to find that something else even when she had what she wanted which was a child she missed her job um she missed working and she's just a big caregiver of everybody to Todd to Mr. Peanut Butter to Diane but more importantly most importantly to Bojack sorry I'm stretching Ah, oh, this has been a long episode <laughs> already. Um, so there's that. Todd is, like, the roommate that everybody would have, like the roommate that just kind of spawns out of nowhere. That's the best – that is the best description of Todd. Um, he is a jack-of-all-trades, but not at the same time. He can, <laughs> he can be very useless sometimes, but very, very helpful in, in ways that you didn't really need. Um, but it helps. Mr. Peanut Butter, he's definitely seen, because I read this, and I was like, that makes so much sense. Mr. Peanut Butter is a Labrador, but he is definitely seen in the perspective of a cat person. Like, how he's perceived, he's, these are all anthropomorphic people. Like, they're just animals and human form that live alongside humans. But he is definitely viewed or he was drawn as somebody who was a cat person. Like the person who made Mr. Peanut Butter has like five cats who would who would swear up and down 
to never get a dog. That is exactly how he is perceived. He is energetic, he's open, he's playful, but the thing is he doesn't listen. He's a really big master manipulator. He does not he cares a lot about what people think of him, but he doesn't care a lot of doesn't care about the people themselves. He dates a lot of young women and when they start to mature, he kind of like everything starts to kind of go like he's not like a Leonardo DiCaprio kind of thing. <laughs> it's not that at all. It's just that when women start to mature, um, the women that he dates start to mature, he kind of like, he's still in that fun zone. Like, oh my gosh, we should still be having fun. And he's just, he kind of makes those women's lives in the way that he wants to. And he doesn't, like I said, he doesn't listen because Diane and Mr. Peanut Butter had dated for a long time and they even got, you know, married. And it was just like, she had made all these, he made all these gestures for her when he needed, he, when, he, when she didn't want it, and Diane was just like, you don't listen to me, and all these things, and Diane is a, um, she is very in touch with all of her morals, and Bojack's moral compass, to be, on, to be honest, she's intelligent, she's nerdy, but she's also very cynical and self-critical, and when you put Mr. Peanut Butter and Diane together, it's kind of bad. <laughs> it's not a good, they're not compatible. Um, it's another thing that Bojack explains that Bojack is, I think Bojack had told Diane, he was like, I'm not like you, I don't fetishize on my own sadness, and I was like, whoa, that's, that's heavy. Um, but it was kind of true. Diane, until she finds Guy, that's his name. I think he's a bison or a buffalo. Um, that's from Chicago, funny enough. <laughs> he um, is really good for Diane, and she starts to um, look into her own depression, and she starts to take her medication, and then everything is better for her. But when she started taking her medication, everything slowed down, everything felt fine, but she was like, I need my sparkle. She realized that um, in a confession with many of the confessions that these characters have with Princess Carolyn, she explained that um, what if everything that I've gone through doesn't mean anything? What if I'm not like rewarded for anything that I have gone through in my life? Because she's also come from a bad um, family at home that she's she's never looked upon. She's She has very different um, viewpoints from her family and you know, when you're stuck with a lot of people who are stuck on the same um, standpoint and you're the only one trying to defend yourself, they make you seem like you're the oddball, like you're the one in the wrong, you're the person who, you're weird, you don't believe that women have rights and then they're like, you know, it's stuff like that. And you're put in the corner and nobody else is there to help you, but you know in your gut that you're right and you're seen as a delusional one. Um, she had to endure that for a long time. Um, there was an episode when her father died and her brothers um, meat grinded him, like put him in a meat grinder and wanted to, because <laughs> um, I think his last dying wish was to be, his remains to be thrown on somebody. And I was like, wow, that's really something. Um, and I think they said it was cheaper as far as like expenses for the funeral. And I was like, this is just all over the place. This family is far from dysfunctional. It's even worse. And I need a water break. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's very, mm -hmm. I've, been walk I've been talking for a long time. 
Um, and like I said, my throat gets really dry. But, and it's also cold, not cold in here. It's just a little, it's a little drafty in here. So if I, you know, after a while from the beginning of this episode to now, I have like a little bit of like a vocal fry. It's not intentional. It's, it's just, I've been talking for a very long time. So um, back to Diane, like I said, um, Diane is Bojack's moral compass because Diane was hired as Bojax's ghostwriter because like Princess Carolyn, she's a fixer. She had this client, Bojack, that she dated while he was up in his stardom. And um, when she became an agent, she wanted to represent him because she also dated him at the time. So when he wasn't doing anything, he lost his motivation. She was still his agent. Like she wasn't getting any money from Bojack at all, but she still stayed there because, um, from Princess Carolyn, and I quote, I have loved you for 25 years and I never loved anyone better. That kind of love, you only get it when you're young and stupid. I'm not going to get that again. And she's held on to the relationship that her and Bojack have had for so long. And she'll never, she can see the bad in Bojack, but at the end of the day, she loves Bojack with all of her heart because she's never loved anyone else that way. And um, when Bojack just does not write his memoir, she, um, oops, I think I got a text. She hires Diane, and Diane is a writer. She's a journalist, and sometimes um, she's worked for uh, this other website. I forgot what it was called. It was, um, at the time, it was like a, it was a connection that Princess Carolyn had she was dating I forgot his name but his last name was Stilton which I thought was very funny because it reminded me of the Geronimo Stilton books and I don't know if that was like intentional but I thought that was really funny um the Stilton guy that Princess Carolyn was dating sister has like a lifestyle page and Diane was the writer on there because I don't think she had a job at the time so she was just overall a writer and she wants to write her own books and all that stuff and she ended up writing this um this like mystery um franchise like this mystery book when she wanted to talk about her struggles and she wanted to talk about all the bad stuff because like I said she wanted all her stuff to have some meaning like if I've gone through this can't I just be rewarded or like I gotta be I have to, this has to matter. Like, all of this has to matter for something. This all has to result to one thing. It has to be good. And this show has, like, a lot of, like, references to just being morally good. Like, just tell me I'm a good person. Please, um, can I still be a good person? Just the reassurance of being good and being doomed to what you do and all the actions you ever made. Do they ever matter when you do something wrong? And, you know, all that stuff. And it's just a lot. Um, Diane and Bojack in their last, that last ever episode they have, I'm gonna curse, cause that's what it says in the, um, there's a curse word in the, <laughs> the quote, um, both quotes. And Bojack was like, life's a bitch and then you die, right? And then Diane was like, sometimes, sometimes life's a bitch and then you keep living. And like I said, it's very, it's very complex. It's just, Oh, it's such a good show because I can talk about it, but that's what rewatch podcasts are for. I currently listen to the New Girl Rewatch podcast, 
and the Steven Universe Rewatch Podcast, and maybe now the BoJack Horseman Podcast. Um, <laughs> there's just a lot of um, themes like distraction and um, morality. Are we um, doomed to everything that we've done in our lives? And specifically BoJack, obviously, because he's the main character he finds sobriety and even then he finds comfort in the sobriety which is good but when he's in rehab you know you're supposed to be at rehab a specific time some programs are different but he was there for six months and he wanted to stay another six months and he started making excuses because once you're once you get comfortable somewhere you don't want to go back and you don't want to go back into the outside world and the outside world is scary and it's unpredictable but when you're in this controlled spot for this long you don't want to live there and he gets that comfort and man um that's what really bojack horseman is like completely about just princess carolyn's codependency mr peanut butter trying to be alive in the moment but just in the end manipulates everybody into his own mold how bojack and mr peanut butter's um relationship are just so like cat and dog honestly um diane um, later she she moves herself from Bojack because she cares so much about she cares so much about Bojack but she's just like I can't you aren't the person um, that I need in my life she ends up getting married and finding the guy that uh, was there for her through thick and thin um, Diane and Bojack were cause Bojack had a thing for Diane like he kissed her right but Diane was like whoa 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 pump the brakes we're definitely friends um and they (laughs) they continued to be friends after that awkwardness and they were just they were there for each other but when Diane noticed that he Bojack kept doing bad after bad after bad she wasn't like Princess Carolyn at all he was just she was just like you have to face the consequences of what you did you did something very terrible and this is what you're left with. And I think what Bojack had asked at the last episode to Diane, he was like, wouldn't this be funny if this is the last time we ever spoke to each other? And Diane looked at each other. Diane looked at him and she was just like, oh, how'd you know? And then Bojack got sad and Diane was like, you're gonna be fine, you're gonna do great, but I can't keep doing this anymore. Um, which was, bittersweet she didn't need that and she needed to move on in her life and she noticed when she went um long distance with guy she stayed in chicago and i think guy moved to houston because her his ex-wife and their son were trying to move there and he wanted to be in his son's life and when they went long distance diane was like this is so dumb i'm gonna just move to houston (laughs) and she moved to houston and he proposed and they're getting married um and that was great and princess carolyn finally found the guy that she wanted and she still has a relationship with um bojack but just like princess carolyn they let him go because i think when she had mentioned at the last episode of um bojack getting back out there because he was in jail (laughs) for the whole sarah lynn situation and the whole strangling a co-worker situation um they uh were like you're a great person 
but you are very damaging to my life. And Princess Carolyn was like, I can, I can refer you to a lot of people when um, Bojack was hinting on getting back out there in show business because Princess Carolyn cannot re- represent him anymore because that emotional turmoil that she has gone through for like 25 years is what she said. That's it. I'm going to throw in a towel. <laughs> but um, so far, I think that's it. I feel like I left out a lot of stuff, but as much as I can talk about BoJack Horseman and Nope, there are so many things that you can find on different um podcasts youtube videos articles some of which are the people who worked on these so it's their words against mine but what i've gotten from them is from good reputable sources (laughs) so um and specifically note because i was like you know i (laughs) i have you know i have quoted jordan peele so that's that um if you want more lore you can let me know, you know, we could have a part two about this. And if you want me to analyze anything else, that would be great too. Um, but for now, we're gonna get into our last little tidbit, which is our weekly message. We're getting great at these. This is from, it's very short. Um, it's from the book, All That You Deserve. Like I said, it's very, very short. Um, All That You Deserve by Jacqueline Whitney. So here it is. Everything is falling into pieces and those pieces are fitting into the exact places they need to. It will all be okay. That's it. (laughs) It's just, it's really short, like I said. And I am so glad. I'm gonna keep thanking you guys for being patient with me because I do ramble as much. And when I'm really excited about something, I kind of harp on stuff and I jump around, but you guys still listen to me because you love what I have to say. And, um, you have heard my voice just kind of deteriorate a little bit after this episode and I'm gonna not talk for a couple of hours (laughs) um because my throat does hurt and it's a little dry and it's scratchy I should get some soup or like some some hot tea because these cold drinks are not helping so that's that and this cold room is also not helping so I love you guys and I hope you enjoy this episode of my analyses maybe we'll make it a series maybe not who knows um but yeah let me know what you guys want to hear if anything that i didn't talk about um like i said on my my instagram and the podcast is instagram my instagram is trend monet t-r-e-n underscore m-o-n-a-e trend monet and this podcast is Instagram, which is very, very <laughs> not up to date sometimes. <laughs> it is corner piece underscore official, just like corner P-E-A-C-E, not like a corner piece of pizza. It's like corner piece underscore official. And it should just be my, the artwork of the podcast as the profile picture. And DM me on there. Maybe we can have a conversation. Maybe we can have you on the podcast. We'll figure that out if you're not even in Ohio. We could have like a little, you know, a little Zoom call or something. And I'll definitely try and see how that works. But it's going to happen if you want it to happen. (laughs) So um, I will talk to you guys later. Again, I love you. Be safe out there. And I will see you next week. Bye.